Hallelujah, Jesus. Bless the name of the Lord. Uh, if you are from DRC, can you please stand? I'm not looking in Jimmy's direction. But if you are from the DRC, can you please stand? Is it just you, Jimmy? Jimmy, I feel you. Today, me and you are from DRC. I feel you, my brother. Keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. If you are from Zimbabwe, can you please stand? Anybody from Zimbabwe, please kindly stand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. If you are from Nigeria and you're still sad about having lost to Bafana Bafana, it's okay. You don't have to stand. You don't have to stand. It's fine. Uh, if you are from any other part, before we go there, if you are from KZN, my hometown, hallelujah, Jesus. Can you stand? So you're not from Gauteng, you're not a Gauteng Alenga. You are from KZN. Justin Viva! I love that guy. Justin's also from KZN. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you are from any other part of Africa other than South Africa, any other part of Africa other than South Africa, please stand. There we go, there we go, there we go, there we go. Hallelujah, Jesus. That is so amazing. That's so beautiful. My opening remark to you this morning is there are no foreigners here. You think about that? You think about that? You let that marinate for just a little while. Look around you. There are no foreigners here this morning. You may be seated. This morning I want to talk to you about kingdom citizenship. Kingdom citizenship. You see, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept because um, each and every one of us are from uh, amazingly and vastly different walks of life. Some from different parts of Africa, some from other parts of, of South Africa. And so as, as much as our faces differ, that's how different we are locationally, geographically. Amen? Are you with me so far? And so it's amazing to me that here in this location, um, here in, on the corner of John Foster and Logan Avenue, at Gold Christian Assemblies, at this local church, it's amazing to me that God has brought every single one of us as diverse as we are. He's brought us all together today on the 18th of June, 2017, in this place. I find that absolutely amazing. I find it even more amazing that God is able to, able to take this melting pot of all sorts of different people, from all sorts of walks of life, young and old, rich and poor, chubby and not so chubby. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's able to take us all and squish us together in one beautiful ball called His Kingdom. So what does Webster's Dictionary define a citizen as? According to Webster's Dictionary, a citizen is an inhabitant of a city or a town, especially one entitled to rights and privileges of a free man. That's interesting. A member of state, a native or a naturalized person who owes allegiance to a government and is entitled to protection from it. State soldiers are also sent to protect citizens and citizenship means membership in a community. I want you to remember this definition uh, because we'll revisit it later but not from Webster's perspective. All props to Webster, it's great and all, but I'd actually like to have a look at what God's word says. 
about citizenship. So where does it start? When do we transition from the DRC, from KZN, from other parts of the world and other parts of the nation, from different cultures and different backgrounds, when do we do the transition from earthly citizens to kingdom citizens? When does this happen? When do we go through this transition? How does it happen? How is it that we found here today in this beautiful melting pot called God's kingdom? When does the change actually take place? It's not complicated, it's actually very simple. It all starts with Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, reading verse 12 and verse 13, reads as follows. Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God, and in this world. Without hope and without God and in the world. But now, there is such an, such an awesome thing to read. After having realized that at some point I was separated from Christ. At some point I was alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. At some point I was a stranger to the covenants of his promise. I was without hope and without God. And I was in this world. But now, present tense. Thank you for verse 13, Jesus. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. That is where it all starts for you and I. You see, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how much you earn per week or per month or fortnightly. It doesn't matter whether you are the CEO in your organization. It doesn't matter whether you're a student at Turkey's still studying, still, 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 still burning the midnight oil, as we like to call it. It doesn't matter whether you're a stay-at-home mom. It doesn't matter whether you're a stay-at-home dad. It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. I'm here to tell you today that it all starts with Jesus when Jesus steps in when Jesus steps in when the blood of Jesus comes in those things that divide you and I those things that allow me to classify you according to this culture this location this geographical city or geographic geographical province those things fall away and fade away because it's the blood of Jesus that unites us as one that's where the transformation begins this morning. It all starts with Jesus. As kingdom citizens, we owe an allegiance to Jesus Christ. Because without his sacrifice on the cross, the divide between ourselves and God would still exist today. Just think about that. Without the sacrifice, without the, without the price that Jesus paid on the cross more than 2,000 years ago, the divide that existed between God and man would still exist today. He is the door. He is the way maker. He is the truth and he is the life. He gave us permanent access to the kingdom for those who choose to repent. For those who chose to believe him and to follow him. I'm always amazed by this, no matter how many times I see it in the scripture. I'm always amazed that while we were still in sin, Christ chose. He made a conscious decision that while I was still doing my own thing, going my own way, He made a conscious decision to die for me. I don't know about you, but I have to really sit and think about people that I, that I really, really love and really, really care about and ask myself, 
I know that these people love me. I know that I've got a deep relationship with these people. I know how much they mean to me. But I'm still not really, really sure that I'll be able to willingly lay down my life for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? And here he is, arrayed in splendor, sitting in heaven, looking down on earth, looking down on our wayward behavior, our debauchery, our adultery, our fornication, our sin, our murder, our theft. He looks down at that type of individual and he makes a conscious decision. You know what? I'm going to die for him. On the off chance that at some point in time, Stuart's going to wake up, open his eyes, and choose to follow me. I'm going to die for him. Once completely alienated, and now we are brought into sonship. We are made co-heirs with Jesus. I don't know if you understand what that actually means. You know what that means for me? What that means is I grew up in a place called Eastwood. I know that means nothing to most of you. But let me tell you a little bit about Eastwood. Eastwood is the type of place, the, the, the easiest parallel that I can draw between Eastwood, Peter Marisburg, where I come from, is what, what they call in the movies the slums or the ghettos. Okay, so now you understand what I'm talking about. Riddled with gangsterism, riddled with alcohol abuse, riddled with drug abuse, riddled with single parent homes. That's the place I come from. And so it's amazing to me when I open his holy word and I see that even though that's where I come from, even though that's what my past looks like, I'm a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Do you understand what that means? That means all the silver and all the gold and all the cattle on a thousand hills, as it belongs to him, it belongs to me too. It's interesting, I... <laughs> I've always been a, a, a TV fanatic. My wife will tell you, my mother-in-law and father-in-law will tell you. I've always been that kid that knew the TV guide, right? That was just me. Didn't want to play outside, I was always indoors, watching TV, watching Trevor Noah, etc., etc. You know what I mean? Okay, there wasn't Trevor Noah back then. Yeah, 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 Trevor. We like Trevor. So I was always that kid, right? I was always that kid. And so, and I still am, and so, I think it was yesterday or the day before, come on guys, this is a safe space, within these four walls, it's a safe space, come on. And so I'm still that guy, and so I'm watching TV on the couch, and I see this, I see this dude, right, I won't say his name, but my wife met him in the mall, and made him take pictures with Jude, because ah, he's a celebrity, and he was really, really hyped up at that time, South African celebrity, I won't say his name, I won't say his name, but um, sorry guys, sorry the mic. Emily, there's something wrong with the mic here, sorry. Sorry man, sorry, sorry, sorry guys, sorry. Something wrong with the mic, I don't know. We're having technical difficulties. So, so, so uh, they were interviewing this guy on TV, and he's like got this Bentley parked outside, and he's talking about his twin Bentley, you know, his friend took the other Bentley, and I'm thinking, <laughs> wow. Huh? There you are, and it looks like he's living in Thatchfield somewhere. But I'm thinking, yeah, you know, according to this guy, 
and I love him. I mean, he's a really cool guy. He's a really mellow guy. I've got no issues with him. But as I'm sitting there watching him, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, what you consider as wealth or bowling or making it rain or shasha <laughs> is minuscule and insignificant. My co-heir, my big brother, Jesus Christ, when he takes a walk in the morning to see what's happening in his hood, he walks on streets of gold. He walks on streets of gold. And the awesome thing is, I'm a co-heir. That means what's his is mine. And even though he may not want it, what mine, what's mine is his. <laughs> We're in this together. <laughs> We're in this together. Hallelujah. We're in this together. What's his is mine and what mine is his. Amen. Hi. South African celebrities, we love them. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are no longer outsiders without rights of citizenship. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. That's God's people. Can God's people say amen? amen. And you are members of God's household. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm not just visiting. I'm not just popping in. I'm not just passing by. I'm not just asking God for a cup of tea and I'll be gone and I'll be on my way. I'm not a pilgrim passing through. Hallelujah, Jesus. In my father's household, in God's household, I am a member. I'm reminded of the prodigal son. I'm reminded of the prodigal son who finds himself destitute without friends, eating and sleeping amongst the pigs. And then the prodigal son comes to himself. He basically comes to his senses. And he realizes, you know what man? In my father's house, something is wrong with this picture because I know that in my father's house, even his servants, even those who are employed as servants in my father's house, dress better than I'm dressed, eat better than I'm eating, and sleep in better accommodation than I'm sleeping in right now. How can this be that I find myself in a situation where I'm stinking like a pig, I'm eating with the pigs, I'm covered in mud, I'm eating something that, 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 that even, even, even the animals in my father's house would never dare to touch. He comes to himself and he realizes, you know what, this is not for me. I'm not a citizen of this place. I'm not a citizen of this pigsty. I'm not a member of this pig family. This is not where I belong. He comes to his senses and he says, even if he, he chooses to take me in as a servant, I'll still be better off. The wonderful, amazing, beautiful thing is being a father on Father's Day. The father's heart says, you know what my son, come here, bring, bring him a brand new robe, put a ring on his finger, kill a fattened calf, let's have a feast, let's celebrate. My son who was once dead, he's alive again. He welcomes him in, not as a, not as a servant, but as a member of the family. And that's what you and I have this morning. We're not passing by. We are citizens in this kingdom. Hallelujah. 
Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. But we are different. We are different. We are different, guys. We are different. We are different because our citizenship is in heaven. We are different because our citizenship is in heaven. And so I don't walk the way that those guys walk. I don't talk the way that they talk. It's not easy. It's really not easy. It's really not easy. We're in schooling environments. We're in social environments. We're in working environments. You know, guys are cracking jokes all over the show. Guys are behaving in a certain manner towards ladies. It's not, it's not easy to be the one that stands up and says, Listen guys, me, I'm not comfortable with this. And I'm not comfortable with this because according to the citizenship that I know I'm a part of, this is not for me. I'm going to excuse myself. If you don't want me to excuse myself, please stop doing what you're doing, guys. Please stop cracking those jokes. Please start, stop using those words to describe females. I don't describe the females in my life using those words. It's not easy to be different. But the scripture says we are. It's not easy, but we are. We are different because of our citizenship. Because our citizenship is not in South Africa. You know... South Africa is an interesting and a weird and a funny place. Sometimes you don't know whether to laugh or cry. There, I think it's the Minister of Arts. But anyway, I'll, I'll put a disclaimer there. It may not be him. Maybe there's people pulling the strings behind the scenes. But there they want to change the name of South Africa. Like, really? Like, now we're no more going to be South Africans. Now we're going to be, I don't know what. I don't know, Zumanians? I don't know. I don't know. What are we... I don't know. As I say, I place it on the record. It may not be you, Minister of Arts. It may not be you. It may not be you. But we are South Africans. It's, 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 it's a part of our identity. It's a part of our identity. Until that point where Jesus steps in, where you come from is very, very important to you. Where you come from is very, very important to you for, 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 for reasons that are, that are actually beyond my understanding. But for some or other reason, it's very important to know who you are and where you come from. This is why Utataku makes so much money. Because you want to know who you are and where you come from. Right? The beauty of kingdom citizenship is that when we change our allegiance from I am a South African to I am a Christian. When we change our allegiance from I was born in South Africa, the southern tip of Africa, to I was born again in a 10 crusade in 1998. I gave my heart to the Lord and I've never looked back ever since. To be a Christian means to be a follower of Christ, to be Christ-like. We are like the one who we follow. We are like our big brother. We are like Jesus Christ. We're not South African. I know that's bursting lots of people's bubbles, but we are not South African. If you want to be a... Hey, hey, look. Look, look. 
<laughs> there's democracy. If you want to still hold on to the fact that you are South African, then it's fine. It's all well and good. I mean, some good is, is bound to come out of it. Me, I'm a Christian. My citizenship is in heaven. What makes us different is the fact that the old things have passed away. And behold, we have been made a new and a different creation in Christ Jesus. We are not perfect. We are not perfect. In fact, we are far from it. Paul says, of sinners I am chief. But we are being transformed daily. We are being renewed daily by the washing of our minds with his holy word. We are being changed. We are drawing strength from the master daily. We are crucifying the flesh daily. We're not perfect but we know that God is working on us bit by bit every single day. We can look back now and we can see the difference from a year ago, from a month ago and from a week ago. The songwriter says, those things I used to do, I do them no more. There's a book as well. Uh, please be patient with me. God is not finished with me. He's not done with me. One of my other very favorite people in the world, uh, the guy with the mustache, uh, Steve Harvey, he also does a stand-up comedy a whole set, an entire set You must get it, if you don't have it, make sure you get it You've got it, okay, cool Steve Harvey um, At the, what is it Gospel Fest or Mega Fest uh, That T.D. That Jakes and Potter's House have He does an entire comedy Stand-up stand comedy uh, set over there And the title is Be patient with me, God ain't through with me yet You can hear the American then God ain't through with me yet <laughs> Be patient with me, brothers. God ain't through with me. I don't know why Americans must be like that. We love them also. So we're not perfect, guys. We're not perfect. We don't pretend to be perfect. But be patient with us because God is working on us. He's not done yet. He's busy working on you and I. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 12. Now this is our boast, our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations or our relationships with you with integrity and godly sincerity we have done so relying not on worldly wisdom but on God's grace point number two as kingdom citizens how do we how should we conduct ourselves as kingdom citizens, as those claiming to be followers of Jesus Christ, how ought we to conduct ourselves? We have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, with integrity and with godly sincerity. We conduct ourselves on a daily basis at our places of employment, at our various institutions of higher learning and education, and in our circles of friends, in church settings, at youth meetings, in worship and prayer sessions, in go-group meetings, in brother and sisters meetings. We conduct ourselves on a daily basis. Every single time that we strike up a conversation or entertain someone else's conversation, we are busy conducting ourselves. 
and we conduct ourselves in a certain manner that's either befitting of the vocation by which we've been called or it's not. More and more in government and in business, in the private sector alike, integrity is becoming one of the rarest commodities to come by. It's a characteristic that's so hard to find amongst men and women alike, young and old, rich and poor, and dare I say it, saved and unsaved alike. You see, integrity is what we do and who we are when we think that nobody's watching. When we think that no one is looking, who we are, what we do, how we behave, how we, condu how we conduct ourselves, that's where integrity lies. There ought to be a difference in the way that we conduct ourselves here on earth with others and more especially with other believers. We were praying this morning in our, in our prayer meeting that we have before we start praise and worship practice. And we were, we, we were talking amongst ourselves and I was, you know, we, were, we were sharing with each other how it's so sad but you know, it is what it is and it's the truth of the matter. Literally almost every single born again Christian, Bible believing, Holy Ghost filled Christian has been hurt at some point or another by another Christian. Not by the world, not by the devil, not by people out there. At some point or the other, almost all of us have been hurt by another believer. That ought not be. That should not be. I understand we're not perfect and I understand that We've been squished together so different as we are. But when we get together like this, we ought to conduct ourselves amongst each other with a certain degree of integrity. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 48. As is the earthly man, the man that comes from dust, that's you and I, so are those who are of the earth. I don't want to be like those who are of the earth. As is the heavenly man, that's Jesus. So are those who are of heaven. That's how I want to be. You see, if, you, if you're ever not sure, if you're ever uncertain about how you ought to conduct yourself, conduct yourself on earth in a Christ-like manner and you'll never ever go wrong. Conduct yourself on earth in a Christ-like manner and you will never ever go wrong. Walk in his footsteps. Do what he did. Say what he said. We were sharing this morning once again about the, I don't know if you guys still remember those, the little bands or the little bangles we used to wear. WWJD, what would Jesus do? If you're ever in doubt whether to make that business decision or not, just ask yourself, if this was Jesus in my position, what would Jesus do? Would Jesus accept this bribe under the table? Would Jesus accept an envelope in my post box, dropped off in the middle of the night in order to seal the deal? If you're not sure where the line of integrity lies, just ask yourself, am I conducting myself in a Christ-like manner? 
Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 Nevertheless, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ Then whether I come and see you or hear about you in my absence I will know that you stand firm in one spirit Contending side by side for the faith of the gospel That to me is how we ought to be We ought to be People ought to hear this report about you and I. That we are standing firm in one spirit, contending side by side for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm remembered and I look back at the early church, the church in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 reads as follows. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Verse 44, all who believed were, toge- were together, they were gathered together and held everything in common. And they began selling their property and their possessions and distributing the proceeds to everyone as anyone had need. Every day they continued to gather together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number every day those who were being saved. When I look at the scripture, when I look at this depiction of of the early church, of the church in Acts, what I see is people who are not selfish, people who are not self-centered, people for whom it's not all about me, myself and I, me, 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 I, I, I. They sold their property, they sold their possessions. Why? Because they saw that another brother, another sister in the fellowship had a need. And they used those proceeds to meet that need. It's about the attitude of their hearts. It's about the attitude of their hearts. The scripture says, where am I now? Every day they gathered together by common consent in the temple courts, breaking bread from house to house, sharing their food with glad and humble hearts. Sharing with glad and humble hearts. I don't know, it's almost like we need to get back to the basics of life. We need to get back to the basics of doing this Christian work together. How is it that I sleep with a belly full of food? Knowing full well that my brother and sister in Christ who are raised hands up next to on a Sunday morning, knowing me, knowing that he doesn't have anything to eat. It can't be. It can't be. Not according to scripture. It can't be. It can't be that I know that you have a need and I know that I have the answer to your need. And I sit and fold my arms. And say, God will make a way mm. Where there seems to be though He's going to come through for you, brother He works in ways we cannot see And we get super spiritual about it And there's God looking down on you and saying But I've blessed you to be a blessing I've blessed you so that you can be a blessing Ish. Let me, not, let me not even say amen. Let me just say ish. As kingdom citizens, citizens, how should we conduct ourselves? These are the do's. These are the things we ought to do. Amen.
do conduct yourself with integrity and godly sincerity. Do conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Do stand firm in one spirit. Where there's unity, God commands a blessing. Contending side by side for the faith of the gospel. Not contending against each other, but contending side by side for the faith of the gospel. Do devote yourself to teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Do gather together and hold everything in common. Do meet one another's needs through acts of selflessness. Do convey attitudes of gladness, humility and goodwill to all. Do come together to praise your king like we've done this morning. Do act in accordance with the will of the Father. Once again for me, I like to make scripture so simple. I don't like to complicate my Christian walk. I want simple solutions. And so for me, if I know that I'm acting in accordance with God's will, there's no way that I'm going to be stressing about whether I should or shouldn't. When I know that he's ordering my footsteps, when I know that I'm in the center of his will, I know that he's got my back. It's going to work out. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm not making decisions based on my own agenda, based on my own plans. Many are the plans of a man. There's a way that seems right unto you and I. But the scripture is clear. At the end of that path is a destination called destruction. I don't want to be on that path. I don't want to be pushing my agenda. I don't want to be pushing my will, my plans, all about me, myself, and I. I want to stay in the center of the will of the Father. So what do we need to have? Number one, we need to have the right attitudes. We need to have the right, the right heart and we need to have the right relationships. We know for a fact, and it's been said so many times, that your attitude determines your altitude. The attitude of your heart determines how high you are going to go. How far you are going to reach. How deep the impact will be. A lot of people fail to understand that it's not about your talent and your gifting. Don't allow your talent or your gift to take you to a place where your character is not able to sustain you. Because that's a scary place to be. Very, very often God will promote people who are not qualified, but they have the right attitude. They don't have all of the necessary skill sets, but their hearts are in the right place. David prays to God and he says, Search my heart, O Lord, and remove any wickedness, any wrong motive, any bad attitude. Remove it, Lord. As the body of Christ, we know that relationships are key. Relationships are key. You can't say to me, you know what, Stuart, nice suits and everything, but dude, I don't need you. The foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The nose can't say to the mouth, I don't need you. 
We are all part of the body of Jesus Christ. Some of us are feet, some of us are hands, some of us are eyes, some of us are ears. I can't wake up one day as an ear and say, you know what, I'm really sick and tired of seeing. I don't need these eyes anymore. Woe unto me who decides one day that I don't need eyes. Relationships are key. So whether you like me or whether you lump me, guess what? You need me. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to I tell you to turn and tell your neighbor that, but whoa, whoa, whoa. There, there are married people sitting next to each other. Just, just whoa. Let's, let's not start something. But whether you like me or whether you lump me or whether you loathe me, hell, you need me. And as much as you need me, I need you too. There are things that are locked up inside of you for me. Don't rob me of the things that I need that God has placed inside of you. My next breakthrough is locked up inside of Justin. Now if Justin keeps running away from me because I keep calling him Justin Bieber and he doesn't realize that there's something connecting me to him. There's something that God has deposited inside of him that's just for me. I need you Justin. I need you dude. Like I really, really need you. Like we really, truly, honestly, all kidding aside, need each other. There are prayers that you need to pray for me and vice versa that are going to unlock things in our lives. Here we are travailing day and night. Lord, breakthrough, breakthrough, God of the breakthrough. And the brother or the sister sitting next to you is the key to unlocking what God has in store for you. But you busy saying, I don't need him. I don't need her. Does she know who I am? I'm a kingdom child. Yes, you are a kingdom child. That means you've been deposited into a family. That means God has strategically placed you. Yeah. I don't like all of you. <laughs> Claps twice. I don't like all of you guys. Come on now, let's be real. Let's let's be real. I like most of you, but I don't like all of you. Right? But guess what family is? You know that saying you can choose your friends but you can't choose your That's what we are, guys. That's what we are. We don't have to get along all the time. You don't have to agree with all of my decisions. Yo, there's times nine ten Texas. <laughs> Can I go there? Desire permission, please. Can I go there? There's times in Ben Texas, I'm like, Lord, <laughs> yo, do these people even like each other? Guess what? We don't have to like each other all the time. There's times I need to be rubbed up the wrong way by you. It's necessary to develop something in my character. I might not like it when you tramp my baby toe, but there's something inside of me that's lacking, that's causing me to react. And Jesus keeps saying, tramp him boy, tramp him, keep tramping him until he doesn't react anymore. Keep tramping him. And so what do you do? You just keep tramping me. And yeah, I am getting all upset and all angry with you. But 
I'm the one who's got a gap that God is trying to fill. Until I get to the point where you tramp my baby toe and I give you a hug back in return. Hey! Oh, you thought it was going to be one of those other messages, ne? Okay, fine, fine. Pastor Paul Stewart said he doesn't like us. He told us he doesn't like us. That's life, guys. We're doing life together. We're not pretending. We're not pretending. We're not putting on a show. We're doing life together. We don't always agree with each other's decisions. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. God's molding us and shaping us. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 and verse verse 23. One of those scriptures that we, we sometimes skip over. Now we give this one a miss. Lord, is, your, is, the, is the Bible really saying this? Hi, there must be an, there must be another scripture. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. We've covered that already, no? We've covered that sufficiently. Only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name, didn't we cast out demons? And do many powerful deeds? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you lawbreakers. How does that happen? Well, we've already covered it earlier on. Number one, you're doing things outside of the will of God. We've covered that already. But you know what? There's something very, very important. We've, we've been speaking about relationship with each other. You know how we get caught up in the scenario of, but Lord, I did this and I did that. And I mean, I was preaching on Sundays and I played the drums. And I mean, I did that and I, and I was an usher. And Lord, I was, I was in, the, in, in Go Kids and I, I did all of these things. How do we get caught up in that? We do all of those things which are good. Which are good. And which are necessary. We do all of those things. But then we forget to have a relationship with Jesus. So we get super, 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 super busy doing stuff. Casting out demons. Kicking over tables and chairs. And we forget to have a relationship an intimate one-on-one relationship with Jesus King of Kings and Lord of Lords and so we get caught up in the busyness of Christian life without relating to the Messiah that's how that happens may that not be our portion this morning Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 to verse 21 Do not store up for yourselves material treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
for where your treasure is there your heart your wishes your desires that on which your life centers will be also so your heart is wherever your treasure is wherever your desires are whatever you wish for that is where your life will center around wherever you place your heart Luke 12 and verse 32 do not be afraid and anxious little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom we spoke about the do's now I want to speak about the don'ts so these are the don'ts do not act outside of God's will do not neglect relationship with Christ do not waver in keeping his commands do not create treasure troves in the wrong place do not create treasure troves in the wrong place don't get me wrong I fully understand that a wise man a noble man leaves behind an inheritance for his children and I stand by that completely but let's not make earthly treasures and material things our God here on earth do not create treasure troves in the wrong place and do not be fearful or anxious why why should we not be fearful or anxious because fear is the opposite of faith fear is the antithesis of faith you can't be in faith and in fear at the same time and without faith it's impossible to please God without faith it's impossible to please God so when you're acting and making decisions in fear you actually are displeasing God it's impossible to please God from a position of fear because fear and faith are opposed to each other without faith it's impossible to please God one of the major benefits of becoming a kingdom citizen is that we experience a shift in our focus we experience a shift in our focus our new direction is up and our new focal point is Jesus Christ our new direction is upwards and our new focal point is Jesus Christ Colossians chapter 3 from verse 1 to verse 3 therefore if you have been raised with Christ to a new life sharing in his resurrection from the dead keep seeking the things that are where above our focus is now upwards keep seeking those things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your mind your thoughts and keep focused habitually on the things that are above the heavenly things not on the things that are on this earth which have only temporal value for you died to this world and your new real identity and citizenship and life is hidden with Christ in God very simply what this passage of scripture is saying to you and I is 
we need to as kingdom citizens refocus our attention on the things that actually matter the things that actually matter are those things that are eternal and not those things that are temporary this earth will pass away heaven and earth will pass away but the word of God will remain forever and ever and ever we need to reshift our focus and focus on those things that he is focusing on looking to the hills from whence comes our help because our help is in the name of the Lord we're looking above we're not looking down we're not looking below we're looking above we're going higher we're going up our trajectory is upwards this morning Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 and he raised us up together with him when we believed and seated us with him in the heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus it's so important for us to understand this principle because the real danger is that after receiving Christ as your Lord and personal Savior and this usually happens with people who have difficulty of letting go of their old friends and so you've been born again you've been made a new creation you've been transformed from the inside out but you still find yourself hanging out with the same old crew you know what that's like that's like one day being a chicken feeding off the floor there you are on the ground in the dirt scratching for worms scratching for millies you're a chicken that's who you are then Jesus comes along and he says I see eagle potential in you Mr. Chicken I see that you are capable of much more than what you are doing right now I see an eagle inside of you and so you become transformed and you become changed and now no longer a chicken but now an eagle but there you are still choosing to hang around as an eagle on the floor on the ground in the dirt scratching for worms looking for mealies because you can't get bring yourself to let go of your chicken friends just let that marinate for a bit Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18 so we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are unseen for the things which are visible are temporal or temporary just brief and fleeting I don't want any part of stuff that's just brief and fleeting but the things which are invisible the eternal things are everlasting and imperishable imperishable no matter how good Koo is at making baked beans and putting them in a tin no matter how well they've refined the art of putting baked beans into a tin at some point in the, t in the lifespan of that tin of baked beans it will perish the tin will start to rust it will start to deform and the baked beans will no longer be edible at some point in time but we call them non-perishables right I don't know where that came from because they perish no matter how we sugarcoat it 
The things that we often hold so near and so dear to us. Man, if I could just get that V8. You know when it goes... Jesus, I believe, Lord, that you have a verpa for me, Lord. It will perish. It will perish. It must rust. It must corrode. It will break down. The oil will leak at some point in time. At some point in time, the wheels will go out of alignment. AMG or not, V8 or not, GTS or not, at some point in time, it will break down. You've probably seen it. I, I saw it very, very recently. Uh, some super, super, duper, souped up sports car. Some Subaru something, something, something. With lots and lots of racing stickers. Where was it? Parked on the side of the highway. Hazards on. Big tow truck waiting to pull him off. Why? No matter how good the engine is, no matter how well it's been tuned, no matter what high performance it's able to deliver, at some point, it's going to submit to its nature. And its nature is that it's only temporary. At some point in time, it will break down. We need to refocus our attention from praying for, praying for AMGs and GTSs to praying for, Lord, my neighbor across the street who's going through a hard time, whose children are wayward, who are, who, who's got a son who's, 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 who's suffering with a drug addiction, whose daughter is paralytically drunk. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, my uncle who everyone else has written off, in the name of Jesus, I stand in the gap on his behalf. Because his soul is eternal. The destination of his soul is something that's eternal. Lord, I want to use every ounce of energy that I have to bring before you in prayer and supplication those things that are eternal. Philippians, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. We are different because our citizenship is in heaven. And from heaven we eagerly await the coming of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though we are on earth, even though we are on earth, we are able to enjoy heaven here on earth. We're able to enjoy our kingdom citizenship and all of its rights and all of its privileges and all that Jesus has for us. We're able to enjoy it right here on earth, right now. We're not waiting for that day. Yes, we are waiting for that day. But right now you're able to enjoy authority. Right now you're able to enjoy dominion. Right now you're able to trample on snakes and scorpions. Now, right now, present tense. Right now you're able to say, Satan, get thee behind me. Right now, present tense, you're able to say, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm victorious. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, present tense, we're able to enjoy heaven here on earth today.
One of the most wonderful and beautiful benefits of kingdom citizenship is that we serve a savior who is alive. He lives, he rules, he reigns, and he's coming back again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16 For the Lord himself will come down from heaven With a shout of command With the voice of the archangel And with the blast of the trumpet of God And the dead in Christ will rise first Hallelujah Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7 Behold he is coming With the clouds And every eye will see him Even those who pierced him Will see him One Corinthians chapter one and verse seven. So that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift which comes from the Holy Spirit, as you eagerly wait with confident trust. That's why I like the Amplified Bible. As you eagerly wait with confident trust for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ when He returns, not if when he returns Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 awaiting and confidently expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus we do not wait as those without a hope waiting in vain when we wait for the reappearance of Jesus Christ we wait with confident expectation because we know that our commander in chief is alive and well and that he is coming back I'm just about almost done citizenship redefined at the beginning we looked about we looked at what Webster's dictionary had to say about citizenship Right now I'd like to look at what God's word has to say about a kingdom citizen. According to what I've been able to find from scripture, a kingdom citizen is first and foremost a sinner saved by grace. A sinner saved by grace. One entitled to fully rely on all the promises of God. The scripture references are there. He says, my covenant I will not violate, nor will I alter the utterance of my lips. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. A citizen is one who has been set free from the curse of sin and death, from hell and from the grave. One who has a revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. John chapter 8 and verse 32. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. John 14 and verse 6. Jesus answered saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. A citizen is a member of God's kingdom, the bride of Christ. A citizen is one who owes allegiance to the Messiah and receives divine protection from Jehovah Al-Gibor, the mighty warrior. A citizen is a soldier clothed with the whole armor of God who knows that his fight is not against flesh and blood citizenship means membership in the body of believers in this local assembly in the bride of Christ as a family so there are some very very key differences between earthly citizens and kingdom citizens when you are an earthly citizen, at the very best, you belong to some sort of community. As kingdom citizens, we belong to 
a family. As earthly, as earthly citizens, the likelihood is very high that you will at some point in time be an indigent pauper. In other words, poverty is sitting literally at your doorstep. As a kingdom citizen, you are a co-heir with the wealthiest prince in all of creation. As an earthly citizen, presidential pardons are for a select few. As a kingdom citizen, your sins, no matter how horrific they may have been, are deleted from all record. Even the Lord himself remembers them no more. As an earthly citizen, you have the ability, if you know the number, to call on human soldiers. As kingdom citizens, we are soldiers fighting on the winning side. It's one thing to be in a battle, it's another thing to know that you are on the winning side. As earthly citizens, you are subject to a leader who is aloof. He's out there somewhere. He's occupying some parliamentary seat somewhere, somehow. Or he's seated in some palace somewhere out there. But he's aloof. You can't touch him. You can't contact him. You can't call him up. You can't tell him about the things you're going through. As a kingdom citizen, you have daily intimate communication with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, with the Commander-in-Chief, with the Al Shaddai and the Elohim. Hallelujah, Jesus.